My testimony is the course of that hymn. Only a sinner saved by grace. Only a sinner saved by grace. This is my story. To God be the glory. I'm only a sinner saved by grace. Um, Stephen asked me to give my testimony about a month ago. And I said I would. I don't know whether I was wise or not, but nevertheless, I did. I got up that next morning um, to get ready to go to work. And before I go out to work in the morning, I read Spurgeon's notes and my Bible reading and have we were a wee time of prayer. And that particular morning, uh, Spurgeon's reading was um, Isaiah 41 and verse 14. I will help thee, saith the Lord. And I took that as the Lord would help me tonight because I can't do this in my own strength. Um, I'm not a speaker, but nevertheless. But I want to leave three verses of the Word of God. It's all found in the first three chapters of Genesis. You don't need to turn to it. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Chapter 3, or sorry, chapter Two and I thought I had it wrote down there, but I haven't. Chapter two and verse seven. And the Lord and the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And chapter three and verse nine, and the Lord called unto Adam, or called unto man, and said unto him, Where art thou? And God is still calling. Where art thou? He's calling to the sinner tonight. To you in the meeting that's not saved. Where art thou? Why are you here? What are you going to do with your life? Christ died on the cross for you. Give your life to him. This old world, as Rebecca has already, or Ruth has already said, has nothing to offer. It's tinsel. And it'll blow away someday. And it's also that God's speaking to the saint. Where are thou? What are you doing with your life? Are you doing something for God? Or is God just on the fringe of your life? I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And that's it. But don't interfere with my life. Let me carry on the way I am. And unfortunately, that's probably the way I was. Um, if there's a book of the Bible that would describe me, it would be the book of Numbers. Described or called the book of wanderings. I got saved when I was 22 years of age at a mission uh, in Macrafelt. And that night, uh, earlier in my life, about 18 or 19 years of age, the Lord, uh, God's Holy Spirit had started to strive with me and started to speak to me. And I remember lying in bed at night crying. At 18, 19 years of age, and people maybe think that's silly, what sort of a wump are you? But crying and praying and asking the Lord to save me. And couldn't get any assurance of salvation. And I asked God in my heart, but had no assurance and there was nothing there. And I went on ahead. And then after a few years, when I was 22, there was the mission in Macrofelt. And I decided I would go one Wednesday night. And the preacher was preaching. I haven't a clue what he was preaching on. But I know at the end of that meeting, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said to me, or I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me and saying to me, 
this is your last opportunity. If you don't get saved tonight, this is it. And young people, older person in here tonight, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says to you, this is your last opportunity, and you go out those doors, what are you going to do? There's going to be no more opportunity. But praise the Lord that night, the Spirit gave me the, the, the presence of mind, or whatever you want to call it, to speak to the pastor after the meeting. And there I asked the Lord Jesus to come into my heart, forgive me of my sin, and save my precious soul. Now, I said the book of Numbers would be the book that would describe me. It's called the Book of Wanderings. Unfortunately, after I got saved, for a number of years, uh, I desired to learn as much as I could about God. And after a while, sort of eased off. And I've spent a long time working, raising a family, etc., etc. And God always took second place. A young person, particularly what Ruth has already said, please don't put God off. Please don't give God second best. You can look at me and say, or if I feel within myself, life is, was wasted for God. I didn't do enough for him. Okay, I sang in a choir, uh, I give out gospel tracts, but there's so much more to do. So much time was wasted uh, for God. Um, Like I say, uh, got saved 22, and the church we were uh, the family attended, I left it and went to the local Free Presbyterian Church, and it was there I met Karen, who was later to become my wife. Um, we got married in 1984, and we're married 39 years this year. Uh, we have two children, uh, Ian and Emma, and we have five grandchildren. And... Uh, the only thing I would ask you for is to pray for Ian. Ian lives in Australia. He has a wee boy of five months, and we were out there in, in November seeing him. And uh, he professed faith as a young man, a teenager, 14, 15 years of age, but he's got out into the world, and the world has got a grip on him. I just ask you that you would pray for him, pray for his partner, Renee, and for the wee child, Zion. I pray that God will unite us as a family. I thank God that Emma and our husband Johnny are both saved. The two elder children, uh, Lucas and Sienna, are saved. And there's uh, two younger children who are uh, coming three and coming two. But um, some of you know that I'm a baker uh, by trade. Um, it's not the best of a job. It's up in the middle of the night, on sociable hours, and etc., etc. But in 2005, um, I got an opportunity of working in a, a bakery in Lamafari. Um, the chance came up to buy it, uh, to buy the business, and we made an attempt at buying the business. And during that time, um, I've been praying to the Lord that he would uh, guide us and uh, claim the, the uh, promise of Moses in chapter, Exodus chapter 33 and verse 13, that the Lord would go with us uh, if it wasn't his way that he wouldn't take us up the mountain because I had to go up the mountain to go to Lamavari. And that was okay. Everything seemed to be going along okay. I'd been to the bank and spoke to the bank about buying the business. And, uh, but one Wednesday, um, about, I think it was either the 13th or the 15th of August, the bank rang me and said, look, there's a bit of a problem, a wee bit of a hitch, but not to worry about it. 
uh, everything would be okay, it would sort itself out. But that night I came home and I said to Karen what had happened, and we had our dinner, etc., etc., and we were going to bed, and we always, at that stage, read the Dilly Bread Notes. And that particular night, the Dilly Bread Notes uh, was, the heading in it was, Walk Away. And the scripture reading was Exodus 33 and verse 13. And bang, what do I do now? We have a mortgage to pay, etc., etc. And uh, didn't know what to do, but the Lord knew what to do. He had said to us, walk away, and I didn't. Two weeks later, exactly two weeks later, I was going to work one morning, and on the road from Dungiven to Limavady, something jumped out of the hedge, and I was sort of maybe half sleeping, swerved, the van I was driving, lost control, had a pillar at 60 mile an hour, and broke every rib up this side in two places, and punctured a lung and spent three days in intensive care and seven days in Altenagavan Hospital. So I didn't walk away, but God saw the big picture and he took me away. So be careful what you pray for, because sometimes God has to overstep you and make it right. After that, a good friend had his own business. Um, he says, you're not going back to that, uh, them hours again. And he gave me a job working on days, uh, driving a lorry and working in a store. And I worked there for 15 years. Um, a few years later, I um, started going to a, a early morning prayer meeting um, and it was the lifeboat, or sorry, the lighthouse, lighthouse in Macrafelt, and uh, there was a group of Christian men got together at six o'clock on a, a Friday morning, and we prayed and sought the Lord. And um, during that time, it was a, a real blessing to me. Um, the the time of prayers was phenomenal, and the spirit of the Lord was there, and. I could feel the Spirit of God speaking to me and moving upon my life. And at that time, um, Karen, as you know, or some of you know, she works in the health service, and she'd met a colleague who had, she'd worked with previously, and this man had um, said to her he was going through a bit of a turmoil in his life, and he talked to her about God, and she talked to him about God, he would need God in his life. And... Uh, she made it known to me, and we made contact with him, and I took him to a few gospel meetings and thought, well, hopefully he's, he's speaking the right words, he's saying the right things, and um, we thought everything was going fine. So um, one, I can't remember what day it was, but one night during the week, the phone rang, I think it was a Wednesday night possibly, the phone rang at 1.30 in the Thursday morning, and it was, I got up, jumped out of bed run thinking, what's wrong? Somebody's not well, but it was this man's wife, and she said, uh, is Paul with you? And I says, no. She says, well, he said you and him were going to a meeting tonight. I says, no, we weren't. She says, I don't know where he's at. I says, leave it with me, and I'll make contact, try to make contact with him. And I rang the man, and obviously he had been to the pub, and he was sitting along the side of the road, and I said, look, I'll come and lift you, bring you back for a coffee to the house, and then I'll run you home. But the Spirit of God spoke to me 
and on the road from the house to where, I, where he was at was about four or five miles and I started to pray the whole road in the car Lord please undertake for me cover me in the blood I need the spirit of God with me uh, I don't know what situation I'm going into we went met the, met the man and invited him back to the house and he got out of his car and come into my car he had obviously been drinking and I says we'll go back to the house and get a coffee and have a bit of a chat and all the rest and on the road back, I says to him, t- said to him, Paul, do you mind if I pray? And I started to pray. And he grabbed the hilt of the steering wheel and yanked the steering wheel. And he tried to put us over the hedge. And I prayed more. And I'll tell you now, it was the Spirit of God that took control of that car. For I don't know how I managed to stop that man from putting us over the hedge. But went back to the house and he sort of quietened down as we turned into the drive and in around the back of the house and he had sort of quietened down. And I had my Bible in the pocket of the car, I'd taken it with me for I didn't know what the situation was. And as I lifted my Bible out of the pocket, I said, Paul, I'm going to read a few verses. And he went mad. And I had to get out. Karen had come to the door. Um, Ian and Emma uh, were... Ian was probably 19, 18, 19 at that stage. He come, he was going to go out and I pushed him back in again. And he went ballistic, he kicked Emma's car, kicked the Midgard in, and et cetera, et cetera. And um, somehow, I don't know how it happened, I don't know why some of the children or Karen or whatever had made contact with uh, our minister and had made contact with the man that ran the, the lighthouse in Macrafelt. And somehow they must have rang. The police landed. And the police came. And it was, the man quieted down. And everything was, the police asked, do you any charges? I said, no, not a thing. So they said, we'll run him home. They ran him uh, headed off, and we went to bed. And about 10 minutes later, a police car went past the house with a siren going. What we found out the next day was the man had tried to overpower the police driver on the road to taking him home. But later we found out what the problem was. This young man was married, he had a young family, and at some stage in his young life, he had been using a Ouija board. And obviously it was a spirit, a foul spirit, had got into the man. But I'm, oh, the reason I'm telling you this is, is how God can undertake for you and how not to get involved with the things that the devil would try and lead you into. It really is, it, it was mind-blowing to me. It was a real eye-opener uh, that the devil's real. The, de- the television, etc., etc. everybody points the devil as, oh, just a nice character. You're having good fun. He'll, he'll, that's he at Christian business. That's for fuddy doddies. Those, uh, you listening to me tonight, take it from me. I found out the devil is real. And he's after souls. And he'll do anything to, catch, to take them. I'm going to skip on a wee bit. Um, how did we come to be here? Um, 2020 is 
Ruth has already said, the pandemic, COVID, sometimes I call it the pandemic, but nevertheless, um, the churches were closed. Uh, you were sitting at home, listening to a sermon on TV with a man speaking, basically probably reading it off, I don't know. Um, maybe pointing the finger in the wrong direction, but, and there was no, no, there was nothing there. We missed the singing, we missed the, the warmth of the fellowship, and during the, uh, probably 2021, we met our brother, Richard Badger, and we got talking to him, and he says, I'm going to a place at the, at the Moy called the Lifeboat, and I thought, oh, I've been past that place a million and one times, I know where it's at, I said to Karen, we'll come up here, and we came up on the Sunday. Uh, I think it was about July 2021. And come up and it was such a breath of fresh air coming in. And there was no social distancing. There was none of the thing that the government told you how to do. There was possibly hand, hand sanitizer and all that there. But the singing and the preaching of God's word. And from we have came here, I have to say it has been a blessing. I'm not condemning where we came from. Uh, we were faithfully taught the gospel for many, many years. Uh, blessed in the, in the church we were in. Uh, I sang in the choir. We went to Scotland. We went to England. We went round the north. Uh, now, having said that, I'm saying I sang in the choir. I'm not a singer. I'm just a noise in the background. Catherine is a singer, Ruth is a singer, Rebecca's a singer, and probably a whole lot more, but I'm not a singer, I'm just a shouter. But uh, Brother Bertie, I just want to let you know, and I know that you're only a man, I know that Stephen is only a man, uh, Alan Bartley, and all everyone else that has come here, I have to honestly say that we have been truly blessed with the Word of God, with the faithfulness, and I pray that you will continue in the, in the battle for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the only thing I would say before I close, and I've said more than I should have said probably, is young people. It's so great to see so many young people here. My wife would say to me, or say about me, when I, I see young people, I come and talk to them and try to talk to them anyway. They'd probably say that silly old clown, but anyway. Young people... Believe it or not, us older people, and Bertie says, Bertie calls me son sometimes. That's great, I'm coming 65, but I'm still a son. That's fantastic. Um, young people, don't be scared of coming and talking to older people. We have been where you've been. We have made mistakes that you're going to make. And, and you know, we're not, we're not pariahs. Come and talk to us. We're easy to talk to. It's so good to see young people in this meeting. It really thrills my soul. It really thrills my soul. And all I can say is, may the Lord bless you. Seek God's will. Seek God's will in your life, like Ruth has said. Believe it or not, there's nothing better. I have lost out. I have lost out over the years. And I regret it. Regret it deeply. If you seek God, you'll be found of him. He'll find you. He's waiting for you to call upon him, to lead you. 
Just seek him and the Lord will do the rest. Amen.